Hello and welcome to Already Saturday. It's Already Saturday. Welcome it to it. I'm Phoebe. I'm Nathan. We're your hosts. We're journalists from Sydney. Um, we have a lot to cover this week, but first, Nathan, how are you? I'm well. That's how are good. You? I'm good. good. I'm good. I've been on holidays, so yeah. everything's been good for me. Um, I've just been, you know, inspired by Northwest. I've been painting, um, so... I can't complain. Any sponge work in your painting? <laughs> yeah. Like Northwest? Yep. Some Bob Ross inspired um, watercolors and, you know, it's all happening for me. Thank God. So much has been happening this week. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's jump jump straight in. Okay. Um, okay. This week was, it was all about um, Harry and Meghan's bombshell interview with Oprah. It yeah. was crazy. Like last week we were saying, well, it's Oprah, so she's not going to hardball them. And she didn't, but... I mean, they just opened up, didn't they? Uh, Oprah said in the interview that she was shocked. Like, Of course. She, I don't think Oprah knew how crazy it was going to be. Well, the royals are famously cagey when it comes to talking out about everything like that. Like mm-hmm. when Diana died, they, you know, it took ages for them to even lower the flag. Mm. Like it's everything that comes out is very heavily PR'd and very manicured and... Harry and Meghan were just loose. It was amazing. It, they were. They did not hold back. Um, I think the royals maybe overthink everything as well. Like that's the best case scenario. They they overthink or either don't think about talking about things publicly. And I feel like Harry and Meghan either, you know, they just didn't talk to each other about what they were going to say beforehand or they just went, let's just say it all. Like let's just let Oprah guide us and... Well, just say it all. And they really, they really said everything. I mean, I think they were holding some things back, but wow, they said it all. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I think also because Oprah is a friend of theirs. Like she helped them move. She found them a house. Like she was very kind of instrumental in shielding them when they ran away from home. Mm. And so I think maybe that their kind of guard was a bit down or they trusted Oprah or they thought this is a proper person to talk to about this who will not try to gotcha moment us. Mm. So obviously this topic has been done to death in, you know, every kind of media outlet has covered it extensively, but we will try and bring you some... We'll um, revive it. <laughs> no. We'll shake tra- the last life out of it. We'll try and bring you some... Um, some topics and sides that haven't been covered um so yeah I mean one one (laughs) one thing that we saw you know some American coverage of of the of the interview um the e-news coverage was really interesting I thought because obviously the American perspective is wildly different from how the UK press covered it the Americans are very sympathetic to Harry and Meghan and, of course, they adore Oprah and so they're just sort of guided by anything that Oprah says or does. Um, the E-New hosts, they were literally screaming, screaming the morning after the interview. Um, Daily, but Daily Pop? Is that the E-news, name of the show? E-News Daily Pop. It's a favourite show of mine. They have really, really great hosts. Their journalists are really interesting people um, and, you know, sort of, pretty brave in the things that they'll say um they're pretty woke um and yeah but in the days leading up to the interview when we had the teaser clips um one of their hosts Justin Sylvester he was sort of looking at all those teaser clips and he's he said something really interesting that I thought was 
worth repeating. So he said, he said, quote, there was a conspiracy that the royal family had something to do with Diana's death. And that's sort of the end of the quote. And then they sort of went on to talk about, you know, that the other host, Kim Whitley, said, you know, I think he's implying it's this interview is going to be more nasty than anyone expected. And obviously that ended up being true. It was, that's sort of where Harry went with it. It's that, yeah, yeah, it's that the royal family sort of allowed these these sort of false stories to to get out there and it, it became this sort of insane media circus where the press just could not stop chasing Diana and Harry Harry perhaps thinks that that his his mother might not have died if that so it's not it's not that the royal family you know I want to make that very clear it's not that the royal family had Diana killed well, um I've got another viewpoint okay <laughs> <laughs> no that's not what he's saying he's saying that they were negligent and therefore it led directly to Diana's death which I think is a fair enough thing like you can't yeah and that's obviously that's you know sort of a, a, a link that that's sort of drawn in the interview that he he fears history repeating itself and then Harry said he thinks it was a more dangerous situation for Meghan because race was involved and yeah, social definitely. media was involved also during a time where race is front and center in the news at the moment like there's mm-hmm. been very kind of well it's been kind of it's been very dangerous and it's been scary there's been race riots there's been many race riots mm. across America so it is the time that like these crazy ramifications and it's a time to buckle down on security and the royals just weren't doing that my favorite quote from harry during the interview was he said i was born into this situation i inherited this risk which is kind of an interesting thing that he's kind of gone you know it's not like this risk was i inherited it and therefore i should inherit the security that that entails Mm -hmm. forever like he should that doesn't go away the risk doesn't go away just because they go you are no longer part of the sussex name like that none of that you know that's all bells and whistles the truth is he's still prince harry dead famous person who has links to the royal family who you know it's it's still dangerous for him Mm. there's also one of the few times megan seemed to sort of lose her cool a little bit was when they were talking about archie's title and archie's security and megan megan said you know it's it's not their right to take that away from him you know she did really seem genuinely really angry and upset about that you know there's there's been a lot of talk about oh you know the tradition and this and that and the rules and but Megan just seemed genuinely hurt by that. I think what the Sussexes did throughout the interview, as they sort of laid out their story, I think they laid it out really clearly as well. I don't think there's any confusion left after their interview, whether you believe them or not. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Is that they they sort of lay out this narrative of we were pushed out. We, you know, there was this. There was. Yeah. Harry basically says security and support other things that would have kept them there. And Megan says she kind of gave up her entire life to be part of this family and she was all in, Mm. which she did. And she was not, you know, that loyalty was not met. Yeah, but I I suppose they also, she also sort of says it it began with this like, uh, you know, me and my family fell into line. We were told to say no comment, not engage with the press. We did that. Um, And then, you know, my, my, I was told my baby wasn't going to be made a, a prince, not given security protection. They're changing the convention for Archie. You know, some people have disputed that, but 
and then they, they wouldn't kill fake stories in the tabloids. She said they were killing fake stories for other members of the family. Ooh. They weren't asked to take a picture with Archie outside the hospital. Yeah, like all the royal protocol that usually happens, they yeah. weren't a part of because... Um, I mean, Archie's as not- they laid out this story, it just felt like that they were laying out a narrative of, no, actually we, we were pushed out and before we stepped down. That's yeah, absolutely. We felt pushed out. Well, they were backed into a corner. They had mm. no... They had no other recourse. And also, Archie, like taking Archie's security away, it's, I don't even know what that means. Mm. Are they in a bulletproof limo and they just hold the baby out the window? <laughs> okay, sorry, these windows aren't for him. He's not a future prince. Also, I think the sort of American perspective versus the UK perspective is that everything that Harry and Meghan laid out is a feeling. It's This is how we felt. And yeah. the UK perspective is, but that's your it's your duty, so it really doesn't matter how you felt. Um, um, you know, my... Which isn't understood in America. No. Like, they just think they're massive celebrities. It's just like, like they see them on the level of, you know, a Michael Jackson type figure where it's like there's no protocol if you marry into that family where you have to wear like one white glove or something. Like that's not... <laughs> <laughs> there's no... Like there's actual <laughs> protocol that goes back 1,200 years here that I don't think the Americans really understand the gravity of so they kind of it sounds like a cult when you're on the outside you go what do you mean you were locked up what do you mean they took your wallet and your keys and your tamagotchi like that's insane (laughs) all that stuff like to an outsider whereas i suppose it's like the president kind of has a similar thing where they're not allowed iphones and stuff for security reasons but that's that's a very practical thing because that can be hacked. That's a device that can be hacked inside the White House and they, they obviously don't allow that. But this is all very antiquated, ceremonial, it's in line to the throne type stuff mm-hmm. where it doesn't really ring true for Americans. It seems like a weird fantasy. Like It seems like Shrek. It seems like Brothers Grimm. Mm. It's a fairy tale. Well, it's, it, it is, from what Megan said, it seems like she did think that the royal family were just celebrities um yeah i mean she she literally said that she was like you know she was like i didn't know how to curtsy like and she didn't think that they would do that in front of their family members yeah because she it's thought weird. that was for sure because it is weird. weird but that's also another u.s and uk divide is that everyone in the uk would know that you you do curtsy to the queen even if you are a family member and people in the UK might find that, find that outrageous that she didn't know that. But people in the US where it's a sort of more liberty, egalitarian society might find that quite ridiculous. Would you curtsy to ScoMo? <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> Megan also said that, you know, she said, like, I, I thought I understood this. She, this That bit's not a quote, but she sort of explained, like, I, I thought I under, understood this because... This is a quote. I grew up in LA. I see celebrities all the time, but this is not the same. You know, it's a completely different ball game. That's what she said. And obviously, (laughs) obviously it is. I mean, another thing she said that people took a real issue with is I didn't look up my husband online. People really thought she was lying, but I actually believe that. I, I think... I've done a lot of dating and I've done a lot of Googling of partners, but I've also, you know, been in a a real relationship where she said everything I needed to know he was sharing with me. And I think when you find true love, 
you don't Google them if they're telling you the truth about everything and they're being open with you. You don't feel that need to like. You also don't want to ruin it. No. You kind of go, I don't want to Google this and find out that there's, you know, photos of them with a Southern cross tat. <laughs> and, you, you know, you don't want any of, any of those kind, kind of, at, at the start, you're happy to be deluded somewhat and you want it to unfold naturally. Can I point out? The first question Oprah asked, so this is like a bombshell interview. The first question she asked, she was talking about seeing Megan walk down the aisle at the wedding and how beautiful it was. Beautiful she goes, wedding. She goes, were you even inside your body anymore? That's how she opened. She just asked her that and Megan kind of didn't know. She went, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> but what an opening question. So It, was, it was an incredible wedding. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was beautiful. Also, another interesting thing that got overlooked among all the actual headlines, Megan saying about her dog, I got her from a kill shelter in Kentucky, was about the most American thing ever. You never thought you'd hear a princess more say animal, that. More animal facts from their interviews. Harry, when they're in the little chicken and Harry said, she's always wanted chickens. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I mean, I just feel like they're in many ways like the dorkiest little just cute <laughs> just love their little backyard and it's cute. Also, the book she mentions, she's talking about how, how short-sighted it is that they were against having a mixed-race prince or whatever the actual thing was. She was saying, it's like Archie's book. If you can see it, you can be it. <laughs> and I tried to look up that book and, God, I don't know what quote that's from. So if you've read that book to your kids, please contact us. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because I thought that must be one of those famous kind of Dr. Susie books. But yeah, found a lot of other weird things, but not that. Mm, interesting. Um, maybe it was like a private book written for her by some <laughs> celebrity illustrator. Yeah. Um, like Gwyneth Paltrow wrote it. I think. <laughs> yeah. Harry obviously also appeared in the second half of the, the two hour interview. He got stuck into the relationship between the royal family and the UK tabloids. This is something he's talked about before. Um, he doesn't like the UK tabloids. He used this phrase, um, controlled by fear. He said his family is controlled by fear um, yeah. in reference to those tabloids. And that his father and William are trapped. Like those are the words used. They're trapped in the royal family. And yeah. They're trapped. It's very kind of... Um, Megan then said, um, she said... There's a reason these tabloids have parties at the palace. They're hosted at the palace. And, but, you know, and then Megan went on to say, like, she was very outraged by this. She said the way the reports happened, you know, and, and they were framed, it changed the level of threat to their family. She said it, it you know, the way she felt like it was bringing out racism in people, bringing yeah. out a side to them that wouldn't have been there if those horrible reports weren't being written. And they were shocking. I mean, the, in the interview, they show a lot of the headlines and stuff. It's something that someone once said to me, you don't really understand how racist it, it is unless you're in the UK and you see those papers, you know, in the newsstands and you understand how racist it is. Yeah, well, it's shocking. And the fact that someone within the royal family, we haven't discussed this yet, someone within the royal family saying that they had concerns about the skin colour of Archie when he's born. Mm. Like just that in itself is 
of course, that's the thing that everyone's speculating about, and rightly so. I think they were cagey to try to protect people, but it, it kind of throws other royal family members under the bus because everyone's going, is it Philip? Is it the Queen? Mm. Is it Charles? Is it William? One of the articles, one of the headlines that um, has always shocked me is this head, this Daily Mail article that had the headline, Rich and Exotic DNA. It is a shocking headline. It is Yeah, that's insane. Disgusting. It's just pure racism. Yeah. So I decided to look up the article and it's still online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How could you not take it down? I mean, obviously the author didn't write the headline, but the, the phrase is in the article. Anyway, I just thought I, I would take you there. It... So this it's is from, break, breaking news. It's from when they were, they got engaged, and the article is basically it's basically saying Megan does not pass my mum test, and I don't think you should marry her. Um, and then he, so I'm just going to read you a little bit from it um, because it's really interesting to get people say Megan didn't get that hard of a time, but he, anyway, um, so here here it is. Genetically, she is blessed. If there is issue from her alleged union with Prince Harry, the Windsors will thicken their watery, thin, blue blood and Spencer pale skin and ginger hair with some rich and exotic DNA. Miss Markle's mother is a dreadlocked African-American lady from the wrong side of the, tr- the tracks who lives in LA and even the sourest spinster has to admit that the 35-year-old actress is extremely easy on the eye. I'm not okay with that. I think it's really weird anyway i would um, watch it if it was a new sitcom coming to nbc in the fall but but that's just horrible the person who wrote that is rachel johnson that's boris johnson's sister oh well that that explains it somewhat so anyway let's just move on from that um so also harry's attacked the this the way that the um the press works in the uk um, it's an interesting system. It's called the Royal Rota. So it was established 40 years ago and it gives UK print and broadcast exclusive access to the, to the engagements of the Royal family. So other independent media and overseas media can't, can't get access in the same way the UK media can. And on the Sussex Royal website, which they set up when they step back as senior royals, they criticise this and they say the current system predates the dramatic transformation of news reporting in the digital age. And I think that was sort of in the Oprah interview saying, we, you know, we think our family could have sort of changed this. And they've, they've said that before, that the royal family does have some power to sort of put pressure on these these outlets to because they, they have yeah, well, an they agreement suppress, with them. Yeah, they can suppress stories in exchange for continued access mm, possibly and they I mean, send the press releases to all of them at the same time the, which is part of that it's the, like the, you all get a, the same yeah the papers are free i assume the papers are free to write what they want but yeah but then not. they get punished by not getting the yeah. news from the royals it's clearly harry and Meghan's opinion that this royal rota system wasn't working for them because they they ditched it when they stepped back as senior royals have I, we done enough on the royals i'm done yeah all right, that's the last you'll ever hear about Harry and Meghan. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be no more news about them. No, that's done. All right. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, we're back on the Kardashians. We skipped them last week. Didn't have a single Kardashian story. What do you got? Keeping up with the Kardashians is ending. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's They're... old news, though. <laughs> well... The final season begins in less than one week. Yeah. Can you believe it? I can. We've come this far. 20, it'll be season 20. 
Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive for any show.、Mm. It's especially impressive for a show that. None of them have aged. The <laughs> Chris has got younger. All natural. <laughs> We're not going to talk about this for too long. Don't worry, guys. I just can't believe it that it's been twenty seasons, not twenty years. I think fourteen years, but. Yeah, seasons are a bit different on those E shows.、Mm. They're like literally seasonal. The Kardashians will be back, though. I mean, they've already signed a very big deal with Disney and Hulu, multi-year content deal, and they're you know so they're going to be back. But it'll、um, be exactly the same. They'll just have their same reality specials.、Mm. Courtney and Kim go to Perth. There's, kind of thing. there's some teaser clips out, but guess what? There's two episode descriptions already released. So I thought I'd、yeah. talk you through them. And you them can、out. tell me what you think. Okay, the first episode of season twenty is called "Beginnings and Endings." Here's the description: Scott faces some big decisions about his relationship, while Kim prepares for a test that will determine her career as a lawyer. Right. So that's the beginning. The ending is Scott's dumping that nineteen-year-old girl, no doubt. And the beginning would be that Kim is. Starting on her long journey, I think there, his big decisions about his relationship might be with Courtney, right? Because、yeah, the、maybe. teaser clips show him wanting to propose to her, and Courtney's going to go, "I don't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any feelings." Yeah, that's that was a good that was a good、Sorry. Courtney. Um, right. the second, second episode ep- is called "No Comment." After Scott accidentally causes speculation that Chloe and Tristan are back together,、yeah. Chloe is overwhelmed by backlash online. Yeah, that's. But they are back together. Scott, what did you do to cause that spe- speculation? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be good. It's good. It's a disc heavy opening to the season, which I like. So in the teaser clips that have been released,、um, Kim is like. Screaming and cry, crying, which people love crying Kim. I love a crying Kim, but she is crying, going, "I look like a loser," which everyone is saying is like about her divorce from Kanye. But I think it might be about this legal test、um, yeah. that's in episode one. I think she might fail the baby bar, or maybe, or it could be about all those tweets that Kanye sent when he went on a tear. Like <laughs> she, that she was a while be... ago. Yeah, but yeah, but how long ago was his shot? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. All right, we can probably. We're done.、Up. All right.、Okay. Next subject. Okay, the Grammys are coming up, Nathan. The Grammys,、Ooh. the most mediocre of all award ceremonies. Oh really? I like the Grammys. Yeah. I like the musical performances at the Grammys. Sure. Let's talk Grammys though. It's an interesting、yeah. topic. Okay. Well, let's kick it off by saying that Zayn Malik, former One Direction star, now solo artist, he he tweeted, "Fuck the Grammys." <laughs> yeah. Whoa! And then he said,、um, "So he didn't get nommed, I imagine." Yeah, and then he said, "Unless you shake hands and send gifts, there's no nomination considerations. Next year, I'll send you a basket of confectionery." <laughs> yeah, I mean that is how it works. That's how the Oscars work. I actually think his—I actually think his song might have been released outside the eligibility. Yeah, probably. But he was still—he still was outraged by that. Apparently, he—he he sent another tweet later saying. <laughs> Fuck the Grammys! I can't believe he tweeted that. Love it.、Um, he then tweeted, "My tweet was not personal or about eligibility, but was about the need for inclusion and the lack of transparency of the nomination process and the space that creates and allows favoritism, racism, and networking politics to influence the voting process." Oh yeah. Well, Nathan, can you explain this t- to our listeners? I don't really understand anything about the. The nomination process and the lack of—is there a lack of transparency? Yeah,、um, 
it's always random. You don't really know. It's driven by the Grammys is basically they're trying to celebrate the recording industry. So they're always going to nominate things that sold well or that were successful or that showcase basically the American Recording Association in a positive light. So that's why there's always, I mean, this year I feel it'll be Taylor Swift will be the one that wins a lot. And mm-hmm. there's always a narrative behind one big winner. They also do a lot of catch-up, where I think Bob Dylan won his first Grammy in 97 or something. Mm-hmm. Well, they like they always kind of try to make up for their past mistakes by awarding some, you know, I'm sure Dolly Parton will win at some point. She'll probably win this year. I think. Yeah, she's, she's nominated Christian for Christian, yeah. But they always... But like, everyone would be happy to see that, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit crazy. I've actually... Do you have the nominees for this year? No. I had a look at them before. And there's a lot of odd things. Like the best rock song. One of them is a Tame Impala song that's the least rock and roll thing ever. Phoebe Bridges is up for best rock album. There's just lots of things where just... They miscategorize. There's always a... Best album is always a very white race as well and very bland. They never... Kanye... That's one of the things Kanye always rants about, that he should be up for best album and he should win best album in various years. Kanye, by the way, has won 21 Grammys, which is quite impressive. He's right up the top, but he rallies against it every year. He always thinks he should get more recognition, which, yeah, you can't really argue against. When you say it's it's for the recording industry i mean what are you talking about there I'm are you saying, saying it's, it's a like showcase it's... of how successful and they are and so they're always going to but do you mean it, it, as a, as opposed to uh sales or as opposed to well, as opposed popular to artistic achievement right okay yeah okay i don't think popular vote has anything to do with it right like sturgill simpson is up for best rock album and he's a country artist that... okay i have no idea who that is exactly when artists sort of argue that their album sold really well, therefore they're entitled to a nomination or, or a win, is that yeah. sort of a ridiculous argument? Or no, is it... no, because as I was, I think that's they've got a point. They're mm-hmm. saying this is meant to celebrate achievements in the recording industry and selling 10 million records is a, is huge, a achievement. huge achievement and it should be kind Doesn't of get acknowledged. Any than that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've got a few Grammy upsets here. 2001 so it's usually like the 2001 grammys are usually held in february or january or something early in the year as we are here and it's for the previous year so the 2001 grammys is giving it to stuff that came out in 2000 so kid a that was the year that came out groundbreaking radiohead album Mm -hmm. the marshall mathers lp also groundbreaking midnight vultures by beck was kind of a cool around the peak of his kind of commercial success and the winner that year was steely dan two against nature Now, Steely Dan were a band that peaked in the 70s, (laughs) and they won in 2001. Okay, I see what you're talking about, like the the catch-up situation. So Kanye, like College Dropout, like his first record, got beaten in 2005 by Ray Charles, Genius Loves Company, which Mm -hmm. is a duets album. Mm -hmm. 2008, best album, Graduation, another Kanye one. No wonder he's salty. Sour, yeah. And also Winehouse, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black was that year, so... And the winner was Herbie Hancock with an album that was just Joni Mitchell covers. That was the best best album of the year. Really? Yeah. See, that's what I mean. They, they just make so many bad decisions. And my favourite, 1993, best rock song, Jeremy by Pearl Jam was beaten. Smells Like Teen Spirit was beaten. And the winner was Eric Clapton's version of Layla Unplugged. 
So literally him playing a song from the 70s on an acoustic guitar on a soundstage was the best rock single ahead of Teen Spirit. And that's the Grammys. Do you want to know a few of the artists that were nominated this year that perhaps haven't made headlines? Sure. As much as the Phoebe Bridgeses and the Taylor Swifts of the world. So for the Icelandic Symphony Orchestra, they're up for an award this year, a classical award, which is good. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, up for a Best Spoken Word album, which what's, I think is Best Comedy. What's his... Sp- oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just his 20, 23 Hours to Kill special. Meryl Streep is up for a Grammy for her audiobook reading of Charlotte's Web. Oh, so maybe think that'll that's, help her EGOT That should have got aspirations. Album, of, album of the year. Surely. Yeah, I'm sure she's close to an EGOT. Best Contemporary Christian Music Album. Mm-hmm. Kanye West is up for it. <gasps> He's up against Hillsong, which is, I think that's an interesting Ooh. little subplot that hasn't gotten enough coverage. No, well, let's talk about Hillsong it. Hillsong and... Um, probably all we need to say. All but... their trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Bieber's down with Hillsong and he's down with Kanye, so who will he side with? Wow, he's really got all bases covered, it's doesn't he? It's a Cain and Abel situation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that's what happened with Cain and Abel. I think they were fighting over the same award, weren't they? <laughs> um, best album notes. So that's liner notes. So we're getting very in the weeds here. Various artists. At the Minstrels show, Minstrel Routines from the Studio, 18... 18- 94 to 1926 what so obviously i looked up what this was yeah and it's a like archival historical recording label and they put out all these old reels that were recorded back when minstrel shows were the rage they would record these things that are meant to be played in order and it's just like there's a minstrel show happening at your house and you put on these little reels and after that records that you know, have introductions and jokes and dances and songs. And I'm confused. Isn't that offensive? Why yeah, Why is that yeah. nominated for a Grammy? That's disgusting. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's the liner notes that are nominated. But yeah. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's a, basically a historical document document about minstrel shows. And <sighs> yeah, anyway, so that's, I don't think that's going to be televised, that award. <laughs> probably, probably not. Oh. A few, few more facts. Do you know who's the youngest ever Grammy winner? Who? Well, officially it is the three sisters who are in Oh Brother, We're Out There because they're on the soundtrack and they're little kids that are singing in songs, so they, they count. But solo, Leanne Rhymes. She was 14 years and 180 days. Oh. Yeah. Most Grammys, you'll never guess. It's George Solti. A hungry, Hungarian British conductor who was the music director of Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. So he's won 31. Closest to him is Quincy Jones, 128 for all the thrillers and his solo career and everything. Beyonce, 24. Jay Z, 22. Kanye, 21, which means if he takes this Christian one, he'll be equal to Jay Z. Oh. John Williams has had 25 for all his Star Wars Indiana Jones work. Wow. Yeah. So it pays to. Have strings behind you if you want to win lots of Grammys. Do you think Kanye and Jay-Z could become friends again as they bond over their equal amount of Grammys? Yeah, they'll finally feel like they're on the same footing. Maybe this is what caused their fight. (laughs) Yeah, Grammy Grammy for An unequal amount of Grammys caused a huge rift. And the band that's won the most Grammys is U2. I don't know how many they've won. Yeah. Sorry about that world. So... Maybe that's why Zayn Malik is so angry. He's like, you two, yeah. they've greased the palms of too many 
<laughs> too many Grammy executives. Uh, got anything else to say about the Grammys? No. I mean, all I was going to say is that, you know, it's become sort of a thing that a lot of artists are complaining about the Grammys being being rigged. And I mean, they are, but so is the recording industry. So are the charts, so is who gets signed, every, so is who gets every distributed. Every award is, is sort of... You know, yeah. you've got to like know people and sort of campaign to win the award. And there's a narrative that they've already decided They're, this if, will be the year of the women. If you're a recording artist who is like famous, like Halsey, Halsey is an example of one of the artists the who notes. complained it, complained about it. It's like, well, you're you're at the top of you're at the top of your game. Like you would know that, like you know, making it to the top involves like networking and. And hard work and, and talent. And that it's rigged from the start. Like yeah. they Life literally will go, This year we need to make up for last year's narrative. So mm. this year, like it's gonna be all African American album of the year people or whatever the narrative is. It's it's female pop singers, it's mm. it's the old guys coming back, mm. it's the year of foo fighters, it's mm. rocks back. Like they'll have a narrative, like it's a, it is a TV show. Mm. And it's also an ad for the recording industry, which they want to make it seem vital. There was one year where Adele swept the board and that was just the year of her, you know, that's, that's enough of a story and people loved Adele. And so they were going, it's such a like fairy tale win. She's heartbroken Brit. I just don't think you should look to award ceremonies as like, that's the answer to all my, you know, insecurities about being an artist. I'm shocked how much like American artists hold it on a pedestal. Like Kanye can't get over being snubbed from some of these Grammys. It's like, why do you care if you are operating on a different plane as you always say? I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't give a shit about awards, especially awards that you know aren't handed out fairly. Mm. Like the charts is even rigged, you know, people bundle, like Travis Scott topped the charts because he bundled merchandise and tickets with his album. And so people would just... And got Kylie Jenner to... To spruik it, yeah. To put it on her Instagram to her hundreds of millions of followers. Good idea. Yeah. Ricky Martin, he's also up for a Grammy this year in the Latin category. Oh, I love him. Maxi Priest, who you may remember from singing Close to You back in the early 90s. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. If well, any of our listeners have any idea who that is, I'll be very Maxi Priest. Tweet at us. Just, just put the close to you clip, Maxi Priest. Tell us your favourite Maxi Priest stories. Phone in now. Hello. Oh, it's Prince Philip again. I remember me and Maxi back in the studio in the nineties. The guy from Inner Circle were there. Oh, jar bless. All right, see you. See you, Phil. Let's move on. Sorry, that was a bit disrespectful calling him Phil. Move on. Yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> All right, what else are we going to talk to? Okay, um, podcasts, talking about podcasts. Um, oh. Rupert Grint, who is this Ron. This might turn your iPhone inside out. It's so meta. <laughs> Rupert Grint, who played Ron on Harry Potter. 11 Harry Potter films. That's a lot of films. Um, That's too many Harry Potter films, I want to say. Mm, um, so are there really 11? Oh, because they split some of the books up, don't they? I've never read the books. I've seen the films. Yeah, I think they split. I think there was 11 films. Yeah, let's say it. There's 11 films. Um, Yeah, they split the last book into two films because it was like a, a seven or 800 page book and, and the fans are so sort of rabid about about not leaving any details out. Yeah. Imagine if you left like a Quidditch game out. 
No, you couldn't. No. Things happen in those Quidditch games, drama and stuff. Okay, so Rupert Grint went on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert, um, with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. I mean, it was good. He talked, but he talked about how it was a sort of hard life. It's 10 years of shooting from when he was a child to an adult. So It's like national service, isn't it? <laughs> you draft it in when you're too young to know and then suddenly it's just like well this is the life for you mm, that's the new national service if you live in the uk it's that or the royal family you get one and they yeah. both of them make you really rich yeah it's sort of like a lotto <laughs> but it's diff- difficult life i find the harry potter stars very interesting because they're child stars and they're sort yeah. of they're all very polite and like they're good kids, but they're all a little bit shaken by the experience, I think. Of course. Like mm. Daniel Radcliffe, I loved that thing where he wore the same shirt every day, like the same outfit every day for like a year or two years or something, just because he knew the paparazzi wouldn't be able to claim it as new photos if he always looked the same. Mm. Brilliant genius. They mm. left him alone after that. Mm. You can understand why people are sort of so obsessed with Harry, like Harry Potter still. It's like um, Monica Padman, who's the other host of Armchair Expert, she told him that she was a huge Harry Potter fan and she lined up at midnight with her parents when she was a kid to get the new books. Yeah, that, which that so was a many kids did thing, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a whole generation of kids that remember that in the same way that people from, you know, my generation a bit older remember lining up for tickets at mm. midnight and stuff like lots of those or line up for a film that's like i remember star wars did the midnight sessions when i was younger and you know friends of mine would go and see this new star wars film at midnight yeah i guess that's the two sort of touchstones of like teen and child obsession with things but um they also said uh dax and monica also said that they uh did some harry potter stuff on their podcast before and they got some details wrong and the trolling was like crazy oh, of course it's like can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> but if you love that and you just hear these people just flippantly getting facts wrong it's like how dare you mm, um you shall not pass is that that one or is that lord of the rings uh that's or is that three billy goats <laughs> careful, you're gonna get us trolled that's lord of the rings three billy goats no, um i get them all mixed up but yeah, Rupert Grint is like a really relaxed, like English young lad. I would say he's, you know, he said um, he's the Prince Harry of the whole franchise. Yeah, he is. He said, um, I mean, one thing that he said that's really interesting is that he said like you can you can never relax because you know he grew up and then when he became eighteen, like Dax asked him like, how did it feel like getting drunk? And he was like, you can just never relax. Like it's a it's a shadow. You always feel like someone's going to see you, discover you. Like, So he means like you can never just party and get drunk and mm. be assumed that you have privacy or anything. Mm. But one, one thing that I thought was funny that he said is that he became like incredibly rich as the, as the um, movie series went on and he, he had all this money and he was young. And so he bought – the first thing he bought was a hovercraft and an ice cream van. And that's what you do. <laughs> the ice cream van was his car. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. And um, Dave Grohl did a similar thing. He bought like these chocolate things that he used to really like as a kid. He bought like a Nintendo video game system that he always wanted. And he bought these like weird chocolate marshmallow things that he used to love and just ate them until he vomited. That was his <laughs> reaction to being rich. Like just. <laughs> um, he also said he bought like a whole lot of alpacas and pigs and 
he still lived with his parents and stuff. Was the farming aspect? Like, was no, he said he just loved just alpacas and pigs. But then he said he eventually had to give them up because he wasn't like a responsible... Not that he caused any harm to them, but he wasn't a responsible owner there with like a responsible... Yeah, well, they were getting pretty crowded in his one-bedroom flat in London. <laughs> Another Harry Potter actor came out this week. Um, her name's Katie Lung. Um, Do you know who she plays? Cho Chang. Oh, Cho Chang. Mm, um, that's the character's name. Um, but she said when she was cast as Cho Chang all these like websites sprung up basically just hating on her for being cast as that character. Yeah, because in people's minds when they read the book, they set who the character is in their head and then when it's different on screen, it's like, you've betrayed me. I guess that's why. I don't really know why. But that's why book, like it's hard to enjoy like when books get turned into movies if you're a fan of the book, I think. I think it just takes something away regardless. They never get it exactly right in your head, which is the point of books. She said on these websites there were like polls that um, that you could vote on that said like, do you think that she should not be in the movie or she's a bad choice? And and she was like, and then I could see like how many people had voted on it. It was like so crushing. Anyway, she went to the publicists um, who worked at Harry Pot- like on the Harry Potter film and they told her that if she was asked about it, that she had to say that the websites didn't exist. <laughs> Just deny it. Just deny that they exist. Not, de- not like say I haven't seen it, say deny that. They exist, and I yeah, this think... is where fake news first originated from the Harry Potter <laughs> media machine. Uh, she Daniel Radcliffe was asked to deny that Harry Potter even had glasses. No, don't exist. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we might leave you alone now. Yes. It's Thanks been for listening. Quite a trip, hasn't it? It's been a big one. And remember, if you're going to adopt a dog, get her from a kill shelter in Kentucky. <laughs> Remember to follow us on Instagram at Already Saturday. Um, subscribe to our show if you want to. And if you feel really generous, you could give us a five-star rating. If yeah, you're... please do. Apparently they matter. Yeah. Um... It's a star rating. That's where we are in podcasts now. Thanks for supporting like us and listening to us. We really appreciate it. And yeah. um, join us next week when it will be Already Saturday again. Yeah.